child is this? It's a big question. Very big question. There are a lot of big questions in life, aren't there? Questions like, should I go to college? And if so, where? Who should I marry? Big question. What career should I choose? When should I buy or sell a house? Am I ready to retire? Where should I spend my time? Do I root for the ducks or the huskies or the cougars? Life is full of questions. And as with all of those that I mentioned, many questions carry with them a choice. You see, what will you choose? What will you choose? Our lives, for the most part, are lived according to the consequences of our own choices, good or bad. That's just the way God designed the creation to work. Sometimes when faced with a question that demands a choice, we realize that it's a big one. I know that was true when we were trying to answer the question of whether or not to lay down everything that we had going for us and risk it all on planting a church from scratch in Ridgefield, Washington. As I prayed and as I thought and as I considered the facts, I knew full well that I was trying to answer a big question with big consequences. But sometimes I think we don't realize the enormity of the question in front of us. Sometimes when it does seem big, we just avoid the question. Am I right? We put it off. We kick the can down the road, subconsciously placing that question on the back burner. We say to ourselves, I have more urgent things to think about right now. Might we even be guilty of doing that with the most consequential question of our lives? I'm going to make a bold claim. I believe what I'm about to say is true. The most important question you will answer in your entire life is this. Who is Jesus? What child is this? Why is this the most important question? Well, mostly because your answer will determine ultimately uh, your eternal destiny. (laughs) It doesn't get much more consequential or important than heaven or hell forever. And yet that's not the only reason this is important. And see, your answer to this question is not just kind of one and done. Or like you answer it once and then never think about it again. Even some of you who are believers... Do not have this question answered in a way that would change your life as much as it could. I'm not sure we are ever finished answering this question because the depths of who Jesus is can never be completely discovered. Jesus once asked his closest followers this very question, and I'll find it in Matthew 16, verse 15, where Jesus said to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? But who do you say that I am? That's what he's asking each of us here today. Who do you say that I am? Jesus is asking. Not who do the university professors say that I am. Not who does media say that I am. Not who do most people say that I am. Not who does your pastor say that I am. Not even who does your mother say that I am. Jesus is asking, who do you say? that I am. Deep down inside, who do you believe Jesus to be? Friend, that is the most important question you will ever answer. And this is the question we will explore over the next few weeks leading up to Christmas. Today, we're going to talk about Jesus, the baby, 
Next week, we'll talk about Jesus the man, and then um, Jesus the Christ on week three. To conclude the series on the Sunday after Christmas, we'll talk about Jesus the Lord. By the end of this time together, I hope and pray that literally every single one of us is better prepared to answer the question, who is Jesus? There are at least three truths we should understand regarding the fact that Jesus came as a baby. First of all, number one, the baby was predicted. The baby was predicted. Did you know there are over 600 prophecies in Old Testament Scripture about Jesus Christ? And remember, the Old Testament is the part of the Bible written before Jesus came to earth. See, all of the major events of Jesus' life are predicted hundreds, even thousands of years before he came. Strange things, odd, unpredictable things, facts that Jesus could not have controlled or manipulated, for instance, the time and place of his birth. The prophets called it long before it happened. They called it. As strange as it is that God chose to come as a baby, it is perhaps even stranger that this very thing was predicted by men, by prophets, to whom God revealed his plan beforehand. How could they have come up with such a crazy thing that God would come as a baby? What a brazen thing to predict. Let's take a look at one of those prophetic scriptures from the Old Testament. Isaiah lived more than 700 years before the birth of Jesus. He predicted many things about the one who was going to come, including the fact that he would come as a baby. For instance, Isaiah said this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now as Isaiah was receiving this word from the Lord, he's supposed to share it with the people. Can't you just imagine his response? Uh, God, are you sure on this one? <laughs> Virgins don't give birth. I, I, I don't know if you knew that or not. I mean, I know your spirit and everything. I'm not sure if you're aware of the physical situation here. Virgins don't give birth, God, and um, you want him to be called Emmanuel. By the way, Emmanuel means God with us. That's just exactly who Jesus was, God with us. And then in chapter 9, Isaiah wrote these incredible words. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. These will be his royal titles, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His ever-expanding peaceful government will never end. He will rule forever with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David. The passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. You want me to write what? Just what kind of baby is this going to be, God? His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God? Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute, God. This is you? In a baby? And you want me to write this stuff down? So where did this Jewish prophet from 750 years before Christ get such crazy, scandalous ideas. I mean, this guy is either a nutcase or he's heard from God. Sometimes I think people think that about me. <laughs> but he heard from God in a special way that I don't hear from God. Let me be clear on that. 
In that case, or he's heard from God. It's one thing to predict a war or a famine, but to predict that God is coming to earth as a baby? How could anyone make this kind of thing up? And by the way, prophets couldn't afford to make stuff up because they knew that in their position at that time in history as a person who claimed to speak the direct words of God, which I do not, to be clear, as a person who claimed to speak the direct revelation of God through a human mouthpiece, they could be put to death if they got it wrong. False prophets could be uh, killed immediately at their first mistake. Consequently, they were quite careful with the words that they passed on to the people. The words they wrote had to be exactly as God had revealed them, lest they make a mistake and forfeit their lives. God told Isaiah to write some pretty strange things. Some things that would have even sounded blasphemous to his listeners, to his audience, because God wanted the people that day to have hope beyond what they had seen before. Hope beyond the ordinary. And he wanted us more than 2,700 years later to be able to see that the coming of Jesus as a baby was God's plan from the beginning. The one who inspired scripture didn't want there to be any mistake about who Jesus really was. God in the flesh. So he led his prophets to describe the extraordinary manner in which he would come to earth over 700 years before it actually happened. In all of history, only one was ever born of a virgin. Only one God came to earth as a baby. Only Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, creator of the universe, bridged the gap from heaven to earth, even through the womb of a woman. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And make no mistake, many of the Jews were looking for just such a birth. Sometimes in our depictions in our movies, it's like they had no idea. That's, 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 not, that's not right. Uh, they believed Isaiah. They knew these words. They had faith that he spoke for God. Those who believed the scripture were looking for this. The devout ones were. I believe Simeon was looking for the Messiah to come as a baby, waiting in Jerusalem, hanging out at the temple, knowing the Messiah's parents would bring him there for the purification ritual. He was looking for this to happen and believed it would happen soon. He knew the temple was the one place the Messiah could not be missed. Simeon was a man of saving faith, I believe, faith in the Messiah to come. The Bible puts it this way in Luke 2, verse 25. Now there was a man named Simeon who lived in Jerusalem. He was a righteous man and very devout. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he eagerly expected the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus as the, to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms. Can you imagine? He took the child in his arms. And praised God, saying, Lord, <laughs> now I can die in peace. As you promised me, I have seen the Savior you have given to all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. So how did Simeon know to look for Jesus in the part of the temple where babies were dedicated to God? I mean, think about it. The Bible says the Holy Spirit led him there. But why was he not surprised to be led by the Spirit to an infant? I believe he knew the scriptures, and he was looking for a baby, just as Isaiah had prophesied. 
Anna, the prophetess, was also waiting for the baby in the temple. The shepherds did not seem surprised to hear of a baby. The wise men were looking for a child who had been born. I would say many of the common people, those with the faith to believe, were looking for a virgin-born infant Messiah. They knew the scripture. A baby was to be born of a virgin in the small village of Bethlehem. A light would appear in the heavens as one prophecy indicated. And somewhere around the year 0 AD, that is exactly what happened. Don't you wish you could have been there? Well, we're going to be there when he comes back, one way or the other, whether the dead in Christ that rise or those of us who meet him in this, to be transformed in the, in the heavens. We're going to be there. We're going to witness that one. Hope you're looking forward to that. The Bible says those who are looking forward to that, that have that blessed hope, are the ones that really know him. It does say that. Our blessed hope. Look forward to that. That's going to be awesome. Whatever your beliefs about eschatology, if they cause you not to look forward to the return of Christ, there's something wrong with it. Okay? If you know him, <laughs> I should say. <clears throat> not only was the baby predicted, but there was also a deeper purpose the idea, behind the idea of Jesus coming as a baby. It was predicted he would be a baby, and there was a deeper purpose behind him coming as a baby. That's the second truth. The baby had a purpose. Why not Superman? Why not Thor? You know? Why not an otherworldly miracle worker from the start? Why didn't God just burst on the scene in all of his power and glory, set up a throne and say, worship me or die? Well, we know he needed to come as a human so that he could shed his blood. He came to die so we could live. We'll talk more about his humanity and his sacrifice over the next two weeks. But why a baby? Why a helpless infant? Why did God stoop to that extreme? Well, there are several reasons, I think. If you're a note taker, you might want to write some of these down. Just hit a couple of them. Why did he come as a baby? What was the purpose of him coming as a baby? First of all, God wanted to show us the less than obvious part of his nature. Should be on the screen, I think, in case you want to write it down. God wanted to show us the less than obvious part of his nature. I believe the Bible is God's word, inspired and inerrant, revealing to us a great deal about who God is. However, if a picture is worth a thousand words, how much more is a person worth? As great as the Bible is, God's ultimate revelation of himself came in the person of Jesus. The Apostle John tells us that Jesus is God's word made flesh. The Bible is God's written word, while Jesus is his living word. Jesus is the object lesson of who God is. He's exhibit A of the very nature of God. Still, why a baby? Because God wanted to show us the whole picture. As Romans 1 tells us, creation reveals much about God's nature, his power, his order, his creativity, his beauty. But God wanted to show us more, so he came as a baby. God wanted to, us to see his gentleness. He wanted to show us how far he would humble himself to demonstrate his extravagant love. And I also believe God wanted to feel and to experience our most basic needs. Yahweh wanted to rub shoulders with human beings, to touch us, to experience our pains, our joys, our burdens. And you see, one thing we humans all have in common is that we were born 
We all have belly buttons. Now, God too. To think that God in the flesh needed his umbilical cord to be severed. That God in the flesh nursed and found sustenance from his mother to think that he needed his diaper to be changed. Scandalous, isn't it? Scandalous. It's so scandalous that most cults, even from the first century, were founded by people who just couldn't take it. Usually a strong leader who just couldn't accept what we're talking about right now. They just couldn't take it. They just couldn't accept what God had chosen to do. They could not fully believe that God became flesh, even a virgin-born baby. They came up with theories like that he was actually a spirit, not really human. Or others said he wasn't fully God. Nearly every cult is a reaction to the scandal of Christmas. But this is the glory of what we celebrate, my friends. The God of the universe was born. A helpless baby. Apparently, God wanted to know what it would be like to be held by a mother. And he wanted to be able to empathize, not just with adults, but with children, even babies. He wanted to show us how precious we are to him from the moment of conception. And so he gave us the son, a member of the eternal trinity, helplessly floating in the womb. The virgin had conceived, and God the son began his earthly sojourn. It's the single most mind-blowing thing that has ever happened on earth. The writer of Hebrews was so right when he said of Jesus, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Friends, you don't get much weaker than a baby. That's our weakest point in life as humans, and Jesus has been there. Is it not incredible to think that God now knows what it is like to be dependent Now, our God, our Creator, our Lord can empathize with every part of our humanity. And so, a second reason Jesus came as a baby is this. Jesus wanted to experience human life from start to finish. Jesus wanted to experience human life from start to finish. But I think there's at least one more reason Jesus came as a baby. God's purpose in this was to demonstrate for us total humility. He wanted to show all of us that if we really want to make a difference in this life, humility and servanthood are required. This is the principle of downward mobility. In God's economy, to go up, you must go down. And this principle is not only consistent with everything Jesus said and taught, but everything he did, including his initial journey from heaven to earth. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. He said, to have life, we need to lay our lives down. He taught that those who humble themselves will be exalted, and those who exalt themselves will be humbled. His words and example are the perfect antithesis to secular humanism, as well as a refutation 
of health and wealth doctrines being taught in some churches. Jesus turned upside down all of our notions of worldly success. Jesus came as a baby so that he could demonstrate total selflessness. That's the third reason. Jesus came as a baby so that he could demonstrate total selflessness. Philippians 2, starting with verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus. That right there is amazing already. That this attitude of humility was in him. How? It's, it's mind-blowing. That God could be humble. We could get into a def- better definition of humility than sometimes we, we use. Humility is about acting a certain way more than it is about some kind of false fake, acting like you're not good at something when you are good at it. That's not humility. Humility is giving to someone else. It's putting someone above yourself. It's letting them get the credit. Things like that. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Jesus went to great lengths, even to the extreme of coming as a newborn baby to show us humility. You might think he could have just skipped the baby part and and the growing up part. You know, showing up on the scene post-puberty at least. That's what I would have done, I can tell you. I would have skipped those awkward years, those helpless years, but Jesus didn't skip any of it. He just didn't. He came as a baby. That's how humble our Savior is. I could actually go past that. To use modern terminology, came as a fetus. That's biblical. The Bible says that she she conceived of the Holy Spirit. From the moment of conception, it was Jesus. how humble our Savior is. That's the length to which he was willing to go for you. This is part of why the gospel is the most amazing story ever told. This Christmas, make sure you pause to wonder and to marvel at the mystery of the baby, Jesus. Don't miss the scandal of the Christ child. Don't ignore the miracle of God's arrival as a baby laid in a feeding trough in a tiny farming village known as Bethlehem. The baby was predicted. The baby had a special purpose. And a final thing I'd like us to notice about Jesus, the baby, is that he was worthy of praise. That's number three. The baby was worthy of praise. The baby Jesus was actually worshipped like no other baby in history. Wise men from the east came to worship him, even as an infant. Have you ever thought about that? The Bible says, after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Men worshiped the baby, Jesus. Most of you probably have already realized that this scene could not have actually taken place on the very night of the birth since they were in a house, no longer in the stable. But it's safe to say Jesus was still a baby at this point, probably less than a year old, certainly less than two, we know from other scripture. And remember the shepherds, 
they did come to the stable on the very night of the birth, perhaps even just minutes after Jesus drew his first breath, and they left the manger side, if you recall, praising God. Don't forget the multitude of angels. I'd say they were singing perhaps even while Mary was still in labor. You know the story. The shepherds were watching their sheep on a hillside near Bethlehem, and a heavenly host of angels appeared to tell them of the birth. The angels praised God in a hallelujah chorus as they sent the shepherds off to find the baby, who they said would be wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. This would have been a clear sign for the shepherds since it wasn't every day that a baby was laid in a feeding trough made to hold the feet of animals. The text doesn't specifically say the shepherds worshiped Jesus as the wise men did, but it does indicate that they rejoiced over him and celebrated him as the Messiah. And the Bible says that after their time with him, the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. This was no ordinary baby, folks. I like the way Stephen Curtis Chapman put it in one of his songs. This baby made the angels sing. This baby made a new star shine in the sky. This baby had come to save the world. This baby was God's own son. This baby was like no other one. This baby was God with us. This baby was Jesus. You know, there have been a lot of important or noteworthy people born throughout history, people that we, uh, that, that we can study about, people who have made a lasting difference for good or bad. I guess you could talk about Confucius or Muhammad or Gandhi or Caesar. You could study Alexander, um, Napoleon, even our own George Washington. But in no case will you find that people came to worship and celebrate at the time of their births. No one came to offer praise and worship as any of the world's most famous leaders lay in their cribs. In no other case but the Christ child will you find that men came to worship the newborn king. In every other case, you'll find a man or a woman who was probably highly driven, motivated, a natural leader perhaps, who accomplished some great feat or feats by which they are remembered. In every case, they had to win their support somehow. They had to do or say great things or to conquer and defeat. They had to accomplish something before men and women would follow them. They had to earn their fame. But Jesus, he was worshiped while still sleeping in a manger praised and celebrated and honored even as a baby. You see, Jesus was special, more special than we can imagine. His birth was predicted. His arrival as a baby had a profound purpose. And even as a baby, he was worthy of worship. The same Jesus grew up. After he grew up, he asked a very important question with a real human voice. He asked, who do you say that I am? What child is this? Who do you say this baby was? Would you have been among those who came to worship him? Would you have been looking for him, expecting him, believing in him? Oh, we talk so much about believing in different things around Christmas time. I wonder who's behind that. Let me just tell you, it ain't God. It's really important who we believe in and what we believe in. It's really important that who and what we believe in is true. Who was this baby? That's a question worth careful contemplation every Christmas. 
I do realize that our hope for salvation is not most poignantly found in the baby, Jesus. The rest of the story is where most of our hope lies. It's a cold, hard fact, but this baby was born to die. Heaven's loss was our gain, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believes means whoever decides to put their trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross. His gift is his sacrifice, body and blood given for you. And remember this, the greatest gift that has ever been given must be received. Have you ever decided to put your trust in Jesus? This is not a passive thing. It doesn't just happen to you. It's a choice. An empowered choice as the Holy Spirit guides you. This choice to believe is an act of faith, like jumping out of a plane, trusting in the parachute on your back. When the plane is going down, you have to jump to be saved. Doesn't matter if you believe the parachute is real, laying over there, unless you put it on and jump out of the crashing plane. And folks, let me tell you, the plane is crashing. Think of the lengths to which God has gone to make a way for you. Will you not receive his gift? Will you not turn from your own ways and trust in his way? Jesus was God in the flesh and he died to pay the price for your sin. Will you turn to him today? Will you not receive his gift and be saved? I just want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you all would, just pray with me right now. If you're not sure that you've ever received the gift of Jesus, maybe you weren't sure or clear on his identity, fully God. Maybe you understood his identity and you even knew that he died on a cross for your sin. You believe he rose again because he was God. Maybe you have those facts in your mind already, but have you ever responded through what we call repentance and faith, which really is one thing, two sides of the same coin. Have you ever turned from yourself and your own kinds of ways of being okay with God? Have you turned from your sin and your sinfulness? Have you just turned from yourself and turned to God and said, I am helpless without you. Please let what Jesus did and who he was be applied to me. Save my soul. Cry out to Jesus. Have you ever cried out to Jesus? Have you ever said yes? Have you ever received his gift? God is holding it out to before you today. Will you not take it? Just say yes to him. I, ne- I need you. I, I'm, I can't do this on my own. I want to be saved today. And we know from so many scriptures that if we, when we do have that kind of faith that God comes into our life and he starts changing us. And we, we have a process we call discipleship where we grow and we become more like him, but You can't take step two until you take step one. And step one is receiving the gift, putting your trust in Christ, letting him save you, just coming helpless before him with that humility. Come into my life. Take my life. Help me follow you. That type of thing. Can you have, have you had that moment? What about right now? Just say yes to Jesus right now. Something will happen. It's real. 
Jesus is real. Just like he came into this earth in a real way, he will come into your life in a real way, into your heart. He is spirit. He sent the spirit to, to live in those who believe. Romans 8, 9, if you truly believe, you have the spirit. If you don't have the spirit, you don't truly believe. Would you come in true faith today? Say, just, just save me. I hope somebody today has made that decision and that you'll let us know. Mark it on, check the box on your card or, or email me or talk to me and, and, and we'll just have a conversation. Father, uh, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the profundity, the amazing, incredible, just unbelievable truth that you came as a baby, that you stooped to that, that level to show your love for us. God, it's worthy of celebration all year long, but help us to at least remember during this season to celebrate that above and beyond everything else. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www.gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.